Welcome to the Artistic Finance Podcast, where we break down the wall between art and money. If you're here looking for how to be an artist and financially sustain a career, you're in the right place. Keep listening and join us as we learn about artists and how they make money work for them. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ethan Steimel, here for episode 26. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoy this episode, please be sure to tune in next week. Our guest returns to discuss MMT, Modern Monetary Theory. You could listen to economists and policymakers talk about it, but why do that when you could listen to a couple of artists? The conversation won't be about art, but it is an important idea for us to understand because it affects our national economy and international economy, whether you're aware of it or not. So I say, be aware of it. I'd like to extend a special welcome to anyone listening from France, the country known for arts, culture, cuisine, and, of course, nuclear energy. So, bonjour mes amis. France also happens to be home of our guest, Miguel Guerra. Miguel is an American illustrator and comic book creator. He resides in Paris with his co-writer, Susie Diaz. Together they founded Seven Robots, Inc. with comic book titles such as Samurai Elf, Wolf Boy and His Magical Warriors, and Past Due a satirical comic about powerful corporations that crush nonprofit superheroes so that people have to purchase superhero insurance if they want to be saved from the villains. Their latest project is Ghost Metal, which is a comic book of horror stories, premiering this Saturday, which is Halloween. That comic will be available for free, and you can find it at 7robots.com. That's the number 7robots.com. Miguel is also a published artist and an independent artist, doing illustrations, book covers, logos, full comics, and commissions. Without further ado, let's get to our interview. Welcome, Miguel Guerra, to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. We're recording this on October 10th, 2020, so we're amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're also amidst the Black Lives Matter reawakening everywhere. Right. I'm in New York City, and you're in Paris right now. Right. There's a six-hour time difference. You're, you're living in my old, my old city. I, I used to live in Brooklyn. Ten years, so I qualify as a New Yorker. We've been here eight years. Maybe it's 2020, but we're thinking about leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and Paris is not, not on the list. I live outside of Paris. I just don't bother saying what town I live in. It's so small that it'd be like, where's that? We live in the in the... In the what they call the banlieue, which literally translates to banished place. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> the burbs. They don't have burbs. So I just say Paris. Nice. Well, it sounds awesome. Okay. So could you give us sort of a recap of your life and your career up to where you are today? Born in Madrid. Dad's from East St. Louis. My mom's Spanish. Moved to Canada when I was eight. Lived briefly in Kansas City, Kansas, so I know what the Midwest and the South is all about. Moved back to Canada, grew up, got married, moved to New York, uh, lived in New York for 10 years, then kind of expected some craziness to happen uh, to 2012, so I left, moved back to Europe. In terms of my career, started my art career as, I'm going to sound weird, but as an apprenticing artist for Tombstones. So I really learned that, you know, life is short because you're, you're doing portraiture for people your age or you're doing art for kids that passed away. And you realize on a daily basis, this is, this is not going to last. So I got out of that because it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went back to university, went to study 
uh, film. I went uh, between Ryerson and Queens. Decided film wasn't for me because I just didn't really want to spend most of my time trying to hunt down some producer who, uh, well, not a producer, but investors to be able to produce a film. It just seemed very stressful. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go back to my lifelong passion, which was comics. I got published for the first time in my late 20s. It was uh, for Antarctic Press, actually. Anyone who knows Warrior Nun, that's from the, it's on Netflix, really popular. I didn't start out with uh, doing that, but I did some short stories from there. And then I went from everything from translation to publishing with Heavy Metal Magazine, doing my own comics, Samurai Elf, which I still continue to do my own comics, which are not money related. Then my brother got sick and he was uninsured. He was living in California. And then this really dark thought came over me and that led to me creating this whole series called, we call it Past Due Now, we're about to change the whole logo and everything, but we called it, first we called it Superhero Inc. But then I got a letter from Marvel and DC's lawyers, joint lawyers, about trademark infringement because you're not allowed to have superhero because they both co-own it, which is illegal. Yes, I actually watched. You have a video out in the world about that. Yes. It's a good video. Or maybe it's a two-part series. Yes, with my friend Ray. Yeah, my, my old art buddy Ray. So then we changed it to super corporate here. Well, we changed it to super corporate. Then the trademark office said, no, you can't have super corporate because it's too general. So we, then we made it super corporate heroes. And the whole idea was if superheroes were real, we'd be paying for them like we do our health insurance. There's no way these people would be doing stuff for free. Not in a capitalist system, right? And then through there, my wife sent a picture of herself reading Steve King's book, Debunking Economics, and a copy of Super Corporate Heroes. And then I got in touch with Steve. And I don't know if you know, we just have a series that got picked up. Well, I haven't announced the publisher yet. I will be announcing it. It's a book called Funny Money. It's about how money, money works. First series talks pretty much about the idea that the government can save. So you have these three guys... Tom, Dick, and Harry, who go into this alternate world, and they're going to create their own currency and all this other stuff. And then they start to realize a lot of the limitations of their thinking. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry to interject. That is part of Past Due, or that's a separate? Separate. Past Due kind of led to that. I'm still doing the Past Due series. So that kind of led to that, really got me more into the economics. The thing was, my wife was working in finance for 10 years in New York. So I was very much aware of, of that. She would come home and say, you wouldn't believe what they're doing. She worked for uh, Bloomberg News as an editor, Bloomberg, the terminal. So I'd hear all these stories and just be like, wow, <laughs> they're, they're doing what? <laughs> and this is the stuff that I feel that most often we read the political news, but we don't need, read the financial news, which precedes a lot of the political stuff. That's what got me into the financial side of things. And right now, just sort of wrap it up a bit. Uh, we have a comic book series on Webtoon. It's free. It's called Wolf Boy. We'll have another one called Ghost Metal coming out later too. Absolutely free. Anyone wants, wants to go check it out. It's free to the public. The other one I have to pay for. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I think that pretty much rounds it up. Um, okay, wait, backtracking just a little bit and testing your geographic knowledge. So I am from St. Charles, Missouri. That's where I grew up. You going back to the Paris suburbs? I always say I'm from St. Louis. Anybody from there is like, well, where? <laughs> right? Yeah, because my dad's from East St. Louis. So everybody that I've met from St. Louis always says St. Louis, pause, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's hilarious because I know that East St. Louis has a reputation yes. uh, in the country. So yeah, that's hilarious. Exactly. My favorite. 
the reputation is oh something Christmas Vacation. There's a movie called Yeah, that was National Lampoon. That's, that's what it right. was. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. They stop to ask for directions, and then their hubcaps are gone, and their tires are gone. <laughs> I remember that. And as a kid, I laughed. <laughs> it has a bad rap. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, demographics. I think you covered some of them. Right. Could you describe your demographics? Yeah. Yeah. Race. Wow. Wow. It's one of those things that I I think it's very funny because, you know, I say I'm black, period. And I know that because in the States, there is no like in between. That is just just, as soon as you get stopped by the cops, you know, you're black. There's there's like zero sum. I always think that's funny. But if you know, um, when you break it down scientifically, you realize, and it's been said over and over again, it just doesn't exist, but it's like trying to tell people that, you know, Krampus doesn't exist. Right. Right. Yeah. So they believe Krampus, forget <laughs> it. Age. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 50 married with kids. So yeah, I'm a parent now. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I got two kids. Yeah. I never post things. I rarely post things about my kids unless they say something really, truly outrageous. I'm just, how old are they? If you know, I don't want to stalk you. You don't have to share. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no worries. I have a, I have a 10-year-old. I had to think about that. It's terrible. I'm a horrible parent. A uh, 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. Well, congratulations 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so. That's awesome. And, um, well, no, I guess it doesn't matter. I was going to ask about your wife. Right. Just right. like how long have you guys have been together since New York, at least? So. Oh, my. I've been going on 25 years next year. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, she's my co-writer and letterer. She's yeah she's my partner in crime we uh, bounce ideas off of each other she's definitely far more uh, i would have to say um razor wit just it's great so i could say something and she'll just take it that extra notch further and i'm cracking up so that's awesome okay so now let's get to know your creative personality a little bit what is a live event that you like to experience well that live event went with prince when he died every time i try to get tickets it was sold out within like the time the announcement came on boom gone so i never got to see that so i guess your live event that you enjoyed was waiting to call for tickets and never getting through <laughs> right it's like ah yeah uh, so much for that we're just on the internet it's like wow he's yeah that's gone yeah what is a piece of art that you like? Depends on my mood. If I'm on a very political mood, it would be a tie between Gernica or Goya's. The, the Oh, man, I can't believe I forgot the name of this. It's considered the first political cartoon or political painting where the French soldiers are, are killing the Spanish. Yes, I know what you're talking about. There's another painting that I really love, too. It's a painting by uh, Velázquez. And it's a painting that sits in the Met, New York, which is called The Moor Seville. The whole story around it's very interesting. Velázquez had inherited this guy, which is kind of weird uh, to, you know, was a slave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to have this person as a slave, at least as the story goes. Maybe there's something deeper and darker there. Maybe he didn't mind. I don't know. But one day when he was at court, he dresses him up as a nobleman and he paints him, which is a very political statement to have a black person that you're painting as a nobleman. And it's one of my favorite paintings. I mean, aside from the fact that Velázquez is just an incredible artist. Look at the painting and you understand the sort of context. And when you understand the context, how powerful it is. Yeah. Yeah. Context is, is important. Yes, exactly. And I think that's being taken out of things too much. I think that's what leads to a lot of problems. That's what last week's guest said, because he was talking about films. And he was saying that's the problem with Netflix is that it's just a list of movies. Just thumb through. 
I like to jokingly say I've, I've seen Netflix. Yeah. Because it feels like you've seen everything on Netflix. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, that Francisco Goya painting was the 3rd of May, 1808. Ah, the 3rd of May. I was going to say July, but I know that's, that's France. Yeah. They don't want that. <laughs> I know that for a fact. You're like, French, what are you talking about, Miguel? What keeps you motivated to keep working? It depends what I'm doing, because I do a lot of different things. So I'll have my political cartoons. I'll have my fun, more easygoing, like Wolf Boy, which doesn't have a thing to do with politics. I have my horror stuff. So I try to keep myself well diversified in terms of the topics. So if I'm just kind of bored of one thing, I'll just go, you know what? Maybe you just need to go read the news and laugh at Trump. And then (laughs) I can go with that, right? Or whatever it might be. Yeah. What kind of music do you listen to? Everything. There's a period in the early 80s, because I'm an old guy, where MTV started to play a whole bunch of mishmash of stuff, about like 10, 11 around that time. And I thought it was great, heavy metal next to all sorts of stuff. And then that kind of came and went really quickly. And that's part of the reason I love Prince so much, because he had such a wide range of music, too. It was just music. And unfortunately, our culture makes it white music, black music, this music. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, talking since you said everything, I'm going to test you. Do you like K-pop? K-pop? My daughter introduced me to BTS. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. All right. So next question. Do you like country music, like American country music? Well, I like country music. (laughs) I like Johnny Cash, the occasional uh, Willie Nelson. Okay. And if they got something funny to say, like, I like that song, Jesus Loves You, but I don't. I think that's hysterical. (laughs) Dolly Parton. I mean, Dolly Parton is not bad. Amazing. I love it. Okay, cool. All right. So now your financial personality. Are you bad or good with money? I used to be really horrible. I was awful. I've gotten better about that. Probably because I have kids and I have to be better about it. But yeah, and I, and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I've had to become a lot better about that. But I'm aware of it. It's not like I'll, I'll deny and say, yeah. Yeah. Growing up, did you have good financial examples to look at? Ooh, how can I put Well, I came from a family that divorced. So once that happens, it's like things just go in a weird sideways sort of situation. My father's an engineer, so we came from de- decent high middle class lifestyle. And then after the divorce, <laughs> it was not. So I, I became aware of the, of the haves and have nots in, in a very, I would say, blunt way. Right. Yeah. Um, how old were you when the divorce happened or when that? About 10 or 11. So that kind of like was, whoa, I could just basically bug mom for about anything. And now I can't. Sort of interesting. I think maybe that's probably why once as an adult and I was starting to, you know, get my own money, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to spend like a bad sailor. Like a drunk sailor. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, th- this might be like a two part question, depending on when you started your career. But at the start of your career, what did your finances look like then? Uh, when I was 18? Yeah, I think it was okay. It wasn't, I was, you know, paying rent and stuff, but it was anything. Yeah, it's it's not the yeah, it wasn't the same. Yeah, wait, way back backtrack question. When were you doing the etches on tombstones? Eighteen. And where were you geographically? Oh, I was in Canada at the time. And we would travel this is crazy because we would travel to Quebec because they have giant quarries there and stuff. So sometimes we travel there and it was on the border town with Vermont. So yeah, I got to travel around a lot and get to see a lot of stuff. But Okay. Um, have you had any health challenges throughout your life? Uh other than the occasional cold knock on wood, <laughs> yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing life uh, threatening. 
brother had cancer, so Ooh. I mean, he passed away from it. So got it. That uh, left me very uh, paranoid. I think that's what happens when you have a family member that has cancer. Uh huh. Yeah. Obviously, you feel terrible for for that person, but then you suddenly get this paranoia about like everything. I probably have cancer. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Do you worry or think about money on a daily basis? Yeah. I mean, I got kids, so yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they're like, hey, you know, dad, I saw this. I'm like, I, I don't want to hear about the latest video game. It's kind of funny how it reverses, right? <laughs> yeah. Funny how that works. <laughs> I, I always feel that at, at, at some point I get to be the grandparent and I'll be able to get to watch this happen and sort of laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once you have no part in it, no stakes. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, remember, Dad, they keep asking for this stuff. Really? That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout your life, have you used a budget? Uh, my wife has. I've, 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 I've learned to abide by it now. That's great. Struggle to. Yeah, yeah. What is a good financial decision that you've made? I don't know about finance. Well, yeah, moving back to Europe. Moving back to Europe. I mean, in terms of my, especially in France, my kids have healthcare. I'm not having to work out all this money for it. So yeah, I think that was a good financial. Question about your citizenry. Since you were born in Spain, are you a Spanish, a Spain citizen? Can't be. I moved back. I specifically wanted to be, but they said, you got to give up your American citizenship. And I was just like, you know, still a monarchy. It's a democratic monarchy, whatever kind of craziness you, you say. I can't do that. I'm not backwards compatible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, no. But uh, my wife has her EU citizenship. So, okay. Okay. I guess we'll get into that later with taxes and because you're American. Yeah. You still have to pay your taxes stateside, which is kind of weird because it's the only country aside from, I think China's starting to do it now. Yeah. Weird how the two richest countries in the world make you do that and care about money. <laughs> right. And like, I haven't set foot there. I mean, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. The flip side of a good financial decision. What is a bad financial decision that you've made? Let me go through the list in my head. Of all of them. <laughs> uh, not moving to France, but moving to Spain was a bad financial decision. Because Spain is in an economic downturn. It was really bad. From what I saw in Southern Europe, really made me understand why Southern Europeans are as angry as they are. Because they're not being treated very well by the EU. So yeah, I would say that. Or staying there as long as I did. I stayed there for about four years. I should have left earlier. That was 2012 and then to France? 2012 to 2016. I should have left maybe like a year or two earlier. Okay, so you are an illustrator and you have Seven Robots Company um, that you and your wife own and work through. Right, right. I guess the question is, <laughs> do, do you have an entity, LLC, or like when you get paychecks, do they go to you, the individual? How do you work that? In terms of seven robots, it hasn't, because we've been moving around so much, it has not been generating anything. So it's just pretty much just right now there. In terms of the work that I get, that's mine. So I basically put it out and hope that I might get a few few uh, people to buy the digital comics. But the way that everything sort of generates itself back to Facebook or Twitter, it's really hard to get traffic. And that's really tough. So that's why we're trying Webtoons and hope 
it's to get the subscribers up because it's all subscriber based. Question about the webtoons, because that's where you're selling your comics? It's free. It's not even just selling, it's free. So how it happens is if you hit, I think it's like, oh God, I, I sort of cry every time I think about it. Once you hit a thousand subscribers, then they start to consider you for ad revenue. Okay. The digital comics that you sell, is that only through your website or is that through webtoons? Yeah, only through my website. We tried Apple, but it just gets lost. It's, it's really... Um, really tough. And there's this transition period too, where everybody was talking about digital, but there wasn't really a place for it to be sold. Really right now here in France, we're, because we were moving around so much from New York to Spain to here, it's really trying now to, okay, now that we're settled in, let's try to get seven robots back together as something. Because in New York, I sold books to Barnes and Noble library and stuff. I kind of was weighing the options. My kids or this. And it's like, well, I think things are going to get really kind of ugly, but my kids are definitely their safety and just their education is more important. So hopefully that answers it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just cause I don't know how you make money. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. No, usually it's uh, commission jobs and stuff. Okay. So you'll know, you'll know this because you're American, but uh, W2 income versus 1099 income. Do you have that differentiation in the money you get in France? Well, I have to do my American taxes. But here in France, it's like your income. It's it's different. And Spain's different too. Each way that they work, it's income. Uh, although one of the reasons I didn't set up in Spain, seven robots, that's why I let it go semi-dormant, is because of what they call autonomous fees, which is independent fees for a business owner. So they'll charge you, and it's the highest in Europe. It's like 298 euros. A month. Whoa. And that's not even your taxes on top of that. Wow. I would have friends and I still have friends who run t-shirt shops and they tell me the amount of taxes that they would have, not taxes, the fees, then the tax. And I'm like, what are you doing? Eating your t-shirts? Like, I mean, like, how do you survive? So that's one of the reasons I sort of got moved away from that. So I taught English as a second language as a way to just go, okay, I'll just keep creating this because it's content. No matter what, that doesn't go away. In the meantime, why am I going to set up in a place that's just basically going to sink me before I get out? Yeah, yeah. When you file your American taxes, is that just saying this is how much money I made in France? Yeah, they want to see how much you earn. They start taxing you after, like, you get taxed also in the States after a certain amount. Of course, too, they take into consideration how much you get taxed here. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. And there's a lot of people who didn't. Actually, this was under the Obama administration. There's a lot of people who didn't, uh, weren't even living in the States. They're just born here, but they have an American citizenship or they're born wherever. And they were getting all sorts of threats. You don't do this, you don't do that. And it seems stupid. I mean, if you're living in a country, you're being taxed by one country and you're not living in the other country, you're not getting services from the other country. It's just odd, but it is what it is. I mean, I'm trying to think, I guess if you were collecting social security, I guess in another country, it's actually, yeah, no, my dad, actually, he lives in Canada and he collects social security while he's living there. Yeah. That to me makes sense. Well, and I'm assuming you don't really have to pay many American taxes because I assume it's like you're under the threshold of- I think it's $25,000 you got to earn. I'm, if I was making 75000 <laughs> I'd be I'd be laughing. I'd, yeah, I'm not making $75,000 a, a year. Right. Yeah. Do you file your own taxes? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, no. Um, I mean, there are tax experts and all sorts of stuff, but 
it isn't that much. I mean, it's not that complicated for a person like me. I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not going to work it out for $750, right? So, Yeah, this is just a side tangent of conspiracy theory that I know I'm just being ridiculous, but his tax returns come out and then he gets COVID. It's like, oh, weird how we're now talking about him having COVID and not the taxes. How, right. how did the, Wow, what a weird coincidence. Right. <laughs> when I had my students, I would tell them this, my Spanish students, they, they would ask me something about, about America. And I'm like, look, you got to read Mark Twain. I know it's hard language and all, but once you understand Mark Twain, you understand us. I mean, the first thing when I heard he had COVID, I thought Tom Sawyer faking his death. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in years, right? So that rascal me. That's funny. Do you have a retirement plan? And if so, what is what does it look like? Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just trying to get a plan, just settling in here. That moved around too much. This is this is the final stop. So sit down. <laughs> about five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also a funny question because I have like you know America. We have IRAs. You could get a Roth or a traditional four hundred one ks. Roth or traditional might have a pension. Might get an annuity. Might get life insurance. Might have a health savings account, and then also might have college savings accounts. So it's like there's so many things that could be possible. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, like here, I know that if my kids work hard enough, they go into school, to university, if they get their French citizenship, which they allow dual citizenship, thank God, e even if they just want as an American, it, the fees are very low. So I know that that's something, that's another thing off my, uh, off my back. It's interesting because I used to teach, there's a test that students had to take for English proficiency. It was the TOEFL. I believe it was TOEFL. It was a recorded thing. Sometimes they would have to listen to recordings and they would have all sorts of stuff that's very specifically American. Like a rich benefactor gives a whole bunch of money to your university. And then you listen to two students and they're like, the student, one student say, no, we should get him a library. Another student say, no, we need a stadium. I would have a lot of students going, I, I, I just don't understand why they even argue about that. I'm like, why? And they're like, because we don't have stadiums for our schools. You either go to school or you go play sports, <laughs> right? And, and and yeah, it's just very different. There's all these things in America. You just accept all these weird loophole things. Right. There's certain things that are just, just completely different. Some of my students would think, say, oh, yeah, you know that scholarships for sports? Is that something Hollywood made up? No. <laughs> no, that's real. So it's interesting, those cultural things that make such a difference. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Amazing. Do you invest in anything? No, I, I'm pretty conservative about that. Yeah, just my my time. That's pretty much it. And of course, I got kids. It's <laughs> a certain pool of money that, yeah. Yep. Which job of yours out of your entire life has been the most financially lucrative? I've worked so many jobs. <laughs> if you have to struggle, I mean, every job is lucrative. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I paid the rent. Great. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. So. <laughs> Similar question, but different. What job, regardless of money, are you most proud of? A lot of my comic book art. A lot of my comic book art. Definitely. I feel like we should give a plug for that, too, because you are... I, I couldn't draw to save my life. Your artwork is amazing. Oh, thank you. I, mean, I guess you're doing this all the time. But right now on Twitter, you're posting black and white sketches you've done that you're then going to color. You're like posting stages and it just like blows my mind. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. I decided to do that because I was tired of complaining. <laughs> And now that I complain, I just try to make it as best as I can a joke about it. And I think that everyone's so ratcheted up everywhere that I think it's just, you know, just share something, get people's minds off of stuff. Yeah. Do you have a network 
AKA, how do you find jobs? I've gotten some uh, work from Steve, uh, through Steve, other uh, economists. It's funny how uh, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I got somebody I can draw, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, yes. yeah. Uh, family, friends, it's really strange how it happens or someone just IMs me and says, hey, I'm looking for this. So it's usually them come to me. I should be more better about it and start uh, looking more for people. But yeah, it's kind of, it's like that. Amazing. How much of your success has been hard work versus luck? L luck has a lot to do with it. A lot. I think we, I think the modern world, because we're so dealing with the idea of rationality, that luck is irrational, but luck is so much part of it. And I can't say, you know, when I go to the museums and I see all these beautiful, beautiful paintings, and I think of these artists, many of them who didn't become popular or, or successful when they were alive. And I realize, you know, there's probably like 10,000 guys out there like this, or, or to be fair, gals, you know, people <laughs> out there who, you know, and maybe we'll never see them. So I, I think a lot of it has to do with luck. Uh, do I work hard? Yeah, I work hard. I try to improve my art as much as I can, but I don't think it's as much that as luck. Yeah. Be blatant and honest about it. Yeah. But I mean, your art is amazing. Oh, thank you. And maybe, I don't know if that's just me not knowing how to draw. Right. You know, because even though I see your stuff and I see you're in process, I still like don't understand how you paint it digitally, you know? <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, way back when, when it was, and now you can go on YouTube, you get all these amazing tutorials. And I, I found through those because sometimes I'm frustrated with something. And I'll see someone do hair in like three steps and I'm crying because I spent years trying to do like 12 steps. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the assumptions is that the computer does work. No, it's literally like a program where you just, it's like oil painting, but in the computer. It's the same, more or less the same process. Yeah. If money wasn't an issue, what would your life's goal be? I grow seven robots. I would uh, have cartoons of my stuff. I would do what I'm doing, but make it even bigger. And more accessible to everyone if that wasn't the thing. So, yeah. Awesome. What financial advice would you give yourself when you're starting out? Or would you give to another illustrator that's sort of just getting out of school and starting? Well, I'll answer that in two parts. First part to myself is get out of Spain two years earlier. <laughs> two. <laughs> two. Uh, I would say financial advice to any uh, uh, young illustrator make the best of what you have with you what you have because it's very easy to get fooled into thinking i need this latest toy or whatever that's going to make my art better as a person who's who, who loves fending <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to uh get trapped in that and then you realize well it's not really the gadget that's doing it it's my work later on maybe the gadget does help you and you've ha have you've increased your skill to the point that it helps you get some a, a, a sort of different look that someone else doesn't have. Cut down on the toys. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Do you think that right now during COVID craziness is now a good time for students to be studying art? Yeah, in a different way. You know, aside from the conspiracy side of YouTube. <laughs> God knows. Uh, I'm a bit of a connoisseur with those ones. They crack me up because it's like, if you really want to know what people are thinking, go watch the conspiracy side of YouTube. It'll scare you to death, but you'll have a better understanding of the world. I would say just, just read. I mean, for myself, I still study. I mean, I read a lot. I'm always reading something. Uh, I was reading about race for the past couple of years. I read a great book by Theodore Allen called The Invention of the White Race. 
fantastic book. The gentleman spent 20 years going through the colonial records. It talks about how it's all made up and it was made up for as a social control. Great book. So I go through my periods of like, okay, I want to know about this. Then I got started reading uh, The People's History of the World. Great book, almost done. But then I decided, you know what? I'm so inundated with history. Let me just read something completely silly. So I started reading about werewolves. So I think that your education never ends. It's what you decide to say, okay, I want to know about this. What's out there that I can learn about that particular subject? And then try to sort of throw yourself into it. So I think it's always a great time. Now with COVID, even better. You know, not that COVID's good, but, you know. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) Um, What can you and I do to stress the importance of finance and savings to our fellow artists? Fellow artists. Wow. I think be honest and talk about it. I really do. I think that uh, oftentimes what happens, <laughs> that's why I, I was like, am I going to lie and say that I, I don't spend money and I'm terrible? I'm great with my level. <laughs> I think being honest and saying, yeah, I buy dumb stuff. <laughs> you know, that's the start, I think. Oh, man. I oh, that That is such an honest and good answer because that's that's what I think. Yeah. It's like, just talk about it. Because when you talk about it, you realize everybody else is in the same boat you are. We all think other people are better at it or getting paid more than us or something like that. And it's like, that is not the case. Yeah. And what's interesting, actually, now that you bring that up, now I'll go on another on a, on a bit of side, side tangent. Uh, when I moved here to Europe, people don't use credit cards here like we do. So they either have the money or they pay in installments, but you don't buy, it isn't like a standard thing. So in terms of that side of, of private debt, they don't have that. Whereas we're used to kind of like, and then you get in this glut, I, I noticed, and, and getting out of the glut, now I can kind of go, okay, this is probably why. You feel bad that you're in debt, so then you buy more. Then you see it again, you're like, yeah, I shouldn't do it. And then you do it again. So it, it gets us, and then all the, cre- all the credit cards that we get. So I think that's also essential understanding the system too. So it helps everybody. Yeah, interesting. What separates those that have a career in the arts or doing artistic things from those that don't do it, they never get started, or they do it and then they transition out and go do something else? It's different for everyone. Sometimes people float in and out of it. I think a lot of it's just opportunity. A lot of it is the intentions that they had going in. Like if you want to go in and be, I don't know, in comic books, it would be like the next Todd McFarlane. He actually made money from his stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, you could hear some pretty horrible stories in the 60s and stuff. And if you watch the videos uh, that I, I did with my friend, you, you can hear some stuff that just makes you shake your head. So I think a lot of it uh, has to do with that. And those that stay in can stay in for different reasons, either success or they're making a moderate amount of money that they rely on it and really don't have anything else that they can do. I mean, there's, there's a myriad of different reasons why. And, and sometimes I think, look at many artists and go, wow, they were great. And then you find out how they were living in a one itty bitty little tiny apartment. And that was all they knew what to do. There's that other side that's tragic to it too. So yeah. Final question, where can people find out more about you? Oh, they can find out more about me at my website, www.7robots.com. Please check out my comic, Wolfboy, on Webtoons. If you like it, like it or subscribe. That'd be even better. And you can find me on Twitter at Samurai Elf, which was actually the title of one of my comic books. That's why I used it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then, then it turned into something different. I hope those people who were following me originally for my comic aren't disappointed. Uh, <laughs> it went sideways. Uh, we have the Seven Robots Twitter handle too, and we also have 
past due, which is super corporate heroes. So you can find me at those places. And Miguel, I, I want to say that I love you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't, my, my wife keeps saying to me, you know, people are going to think you're like this grumpy old man. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think so. But, and, and one of the reasons I appreciate it is you just speak your mind confidently. I don't know if that's the right word, but you just say it as this is my view and this is the fact of the world. You just speak your mind. I'm a little more timid and shy and don't try to ruffle any feathers. And you're just like, come on, people, here's the world. Here's what it is. And and you're very just funny and blunt. Yeah, I think I think the humor kind of cuts down. Cause I, there, there are times, I guess, I, I might have been a little bit more, uh, more rough about it. But yeah, it's just a weird world. I mean, how can you not see it? I mean, yeah, totally. <laughs> so everybody, this was Miguel Guerra. But join us next week when we're going to have a conversation about MMT, Modern Monetary Theory. Yes. That's going to be exciting. (laughs) Excellent. Yes. Miguel, thank you for joining us today. It was great having you. Great to be here. Great to be here. That was our interview with Miguel Guerra. My takeaways were, move to France. It doesn't solve all your problems, but you won't have to take out loans for higher education, and it's a pretty safe place. And Miguel said moving there was his best financial decision ever. Artists like Miguel work on commission. It makes sense that someone would want something illustrated and would pay an artist to do it. I've just never really thought about it. For example, if I were to write a comic book, I could reach out to Miguel and pay him to illustrate it. It makes perfect sense and how else would it work, but it just seems overly simple to me. Credit cards. Avoid them if you can. This is a theme that keeps repeating in each interview. So I think it's important to point out that life without credit cards is possible. Or, if you have them, use them in a limited capacity. Be sure to check back next week for our discussion on MMT. And be sure to visit 7robots.com and check out Miguel's comics and artwork. Thank you for listening, and a special thank you to my favorite people in the world, my patrons. If you too want to become a patron, which you do, visit patreon.com slash artisticfinance where you can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. That is the associate producer level, and it will be the easiest associate producer credit you'll ever find. One last request. If you have time, please find us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, and leave a rating and review. Unless you don't like the podcast, in which case, just subscribe. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Find more information on our website, artisticfinance.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a rating and review. Artistic Finance is produced in New York City by Nicole and Ethan Steimel. Producing consultant Anne Nigrin Doherty. Graphics and website by Josh Cutler. Music by Chong Liu. Music by Chong Liu.